0: Good to see you today. God wants to do something in your life, fresh and new, that he hasn't done before. God wants to create in you a new vibrancy, a new love for God that you haven't had before. Whatever you've experienced in God before, God wants to take it to a new level. You see, God is without limit. And what we want to do is we want to be able to begin to probe deeper into his person and into his character, into his nature, by his spirit and by his word, that we become more and more influenced by God so that we can influence more people for God. This past week, I, I every week I begin to think, can it really get any better? Can God just keep blessing more and more? And then he does. I know it's been a busy week when someone asked me on Tuesday, what'd you do yesterday? And I can't remember because there were so many details going on. But we had, I just want to say, a great meeting with our city of Anaheim. We laid out uh, the plans and thankful to Todd for all of his efforts. Thanks, Todd. I, I know you're back here, brother. Thank you so much. Our president and CEO of the Anaheim Chamber of Commerce for setting that meeting up and We had fire and sanitation and building and everybody else. They looked at our plans, and they went around the room. What do you see as a problem? It was kind of the jump start to a preliminary CUP. And as they looked at it, they said, honestly, everything looks great. I don't see anything that is a problem. And then the head of the planning said, actually, of all the plans I've seen of all the churches that have ever come in here, this one is the most suitable for a church I've ever seen. I mean, glory be unto God. Amen? Amen. Now you may just think that's a coincidence, and if it is, then may we have more of them, Amen. Let God just keep giving us more and more, and then we. The next day, I was uh, invited to go to the uh, the state of the city address by our mayor, uh, Mayor Tate, and you know Mayor Tate has been uh, on our platform before and and welcomed uh, Influence Church, and in, when we had Louis Zapparini, and then I've spoken with him a couple of times on the platform for different events, and I was sitting there and kind of surrounded by, uh, by city royalty, and I'm really the pauper in the bunch, but uh, Mayor comes up to me and goes, I understand that you met about the CUP, don't worry, everything is fine. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, God, this is just so good, just to see what God can do. And Tammy's right, we do have some exciting things to share with you at the banquet that uh, we're not going to be sharing here. So you have to come for that. And you might be like the parable of the man without the wedding garments. Remember, he came and he said, "Wait a minute, you're not you're not invited." No, you just come. And uh, if you didn't have tickets, just show up, and we'll do the best we can. Just don't show up early. All right. If you're if you don't have a ticket, show up late. That way, we'll have a little bit of ways to kind of figure out where to put you in. Because if you show up at 5:30, get somebody's seat, and then we have a fight and sue out in the parking lot, we don't know what we're gonna how we're gonna handle that one. All right. You know, we're in a journey on the wilderness, and it will be uh, about 10 hours from right now that this church was birthed. It's a little bit of a, an emotional moment for me to stop and think that a year ago on the Sunday of today, this Sunday, that this church didn't exist. And to think about what God has done and how God has brought us So far, no one could have imagined that we would be where we are. I certainly didn't. It wasn't a lack of faith. It just was I didn't know really what God's plan was and how God was going to work in your life and in my life. And as we've kind of wed together our lives, as we've cast vision together, and as we've you know really prayed for people and we've been in community together and we've traveled from site to site, uh, we took an opportunity this week. Craig and I got in the car and we... We hooked up the GoPro on the windshield of my car, and we drove around from site to site. This is our fourth location, you know, in 12 months. And it was just, it was very emotional to go, you know, first over to the Patrick's house where it birthed, and then to drive over to Savvy Ranch where we created a traffic jam. And uh, we had people coming in thinking that it was uh, some kind of an estate sale, and they were coming in to buy something. A couple of those people actually stayed that night to see what it was all about. And then driving over to El Rancho, and where we uh, where we spent most of our our year really up until uh, uh, through the first weekend in sun, uh, Sunday in uh, in September, and then from here we've been now. And now we look to our new location that we will soon uh, find ourselves in, and it's exciting to see. I I was so encouraged. Our architect Bob uh, uh, Robert Osborne said, uh, "Hey, I did a little something to the front. I hope you don't mind." And um, he said, I really didn't like those tiles on the front of that building. And so he's got a whole new look. We're going to show it to you at the banquet. It's going to be exciting. We've done some great changes uh, to really make it pop. And I think you're going to be excited about that. But here's some things we, I want to share with you about the journey we're on. In the wilderness, there's a lot of things you learn. You kind of go into the wilderness thinking you can anticipate and know what's going to happen, and yet God does the unbelievable. Here's the one thing that I really believe that that I want to start with and tell you about, that here, here it is. Satan's line of defense is broken in the wilderness. When you begin to praise God for your adversity, he has nowhere to go. When you begin to take the difficulties and the struggles of life and say, God, let this shape me, let this mold me, let me become the man or the woman of God you want me to be because of this event that's happening in my life called the wilderness. And the journey becomes something very powerful. It reminds me of uh, Jesus' words to Peter when he said, Satan's desire is to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that you fa- your faith fails not. So when the adversities that come up against you, you begin to give glory to God, and he begins to shape your character by them. Satan has nowhere to go, and his defense is broken in the wilderness. Secondly, the journey. The journey can stretch you into a miracle. When you get on the journey of life, and you begin to look at it, and you begin to see God's hand in all that you do, what happens is you're always stretching. I sat down with our staff this week in a staff meeting, and I said, you know We've gone through this year and we've had to struggle and we've had to trust God and we've seen God work in great ways, but I want you to know it's just beginning. We are never going to be a church of the comfortable. We are never going to find ourselves where everybody can just kind of show up and go, oh, well, it's church again. I hope I like the music. I hope I like the sermon. We want to stretch out constantly into the kingdom and the power of God so that we're always God-dependent people and a God-dependent church. Amen? And then that is where we need to be, because unless I'm living my life by faith, I feel like I'm a fish out of water, I'm a bird out of the air, I'm just like a bee without honey. I'm telling you, I want to be in that position with God. Third thing I learned in this wilderness journey, and I've said it every week, and you ought to know it by now, say it with me, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. You can be always living your life there and not knowing all that God is going to do, but just just say to yourself right now, I am in a miracle. And I don't know what it looks like, I don't know how it's going to unfold, I don't know how it's all going to shake loose, but I'm believing and I'm trusting God. In Exodus chapter 33, we find a a follow-up to the story of the golden calf where uh, Moses went up on the mountain to speak with God, and as he came down, the people had slipped back into idolatry. And Moses, in his frustration, broke the the tablets, and he began to just call on God and wonder what was going on. God's anger was raised at that moment, and Moses is interceding for the people, and we pick up now the words that God is saying to Moses and this dialogue that ensues. So look with me in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom I have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, just stop for a moment and think about this as we focus on this scripture. What God tells you He will do, God will do. God doesn't break His promises. Doesn't mean that His displeasure doesn't rise at times with us. Doesn't mean that He doesn't pull back somewhat from us but just reminded it be reminded of this that God promises God will produce God promised you eternal salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord and he will produce that and he will bring you to the place of glorification God put his spirit in you he sealed you with the spirit and which is the guarantee of the inheritance that you're going to have unto the day of redemption the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse uh, verse 30 So he says here, I'm going to keep my promise. I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying these words, to your descendants, I will give it. Then verse 2, and I will send my angel. It's interesting that he uses that phrase, not an angel. He said, I'm going to send my angel. We know there's a hierarchy of angels within the kingdom, we know that there were three archangels, apparently, and, and that would be uh, Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, and Lucifer fell away, but we don't know which one is his angel. This could be the angel of the Lord spoken of in Scripture, which I believe is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, because every time they see the angel of the Lord, they, they think they're going to die. They say, I've encountered the Lord when they encounter that angel. He says, but I'm going to send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites. Now, there's a lot of tribes we're going to list through this, uh, through this passage of Scripture that you're not going to know anything about, you don't even care about, and probably you're not going to go home and look it up. It's okay. But can I tell you this? Every one of these tribes are representative of people, situations, problems, and, and all kinds of circumstances that are going to come into your life, and they're going to come in like enemies. And be assured what God says here. I'm going to drive out the enemies of your soul. I'm going to drive out fear. I'm going to drive out loneliness. I'm going to drive drive out hopelessness. I'm going to drive out those things that cause you to despair and want to give up because I am the Lord your God. So I'm going to drive out the Canaanite. I'm going to drive out the Perizzite. I'm going to drive out the Hivite and the Jebusite. I don't know why they all had it names, but they did. I guess they all had the same father. Go up. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. What an unusual term, and yet it's used repeatedly through Scripture, isn't it? We're going to look at that in a minute. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Now here's what God said. I'm going to withdraw my presence for a while, but I'm going to keep my protection. God says, you know, you're such a stiff-necked people, you always want to do what you want to do, and I'm just fearful of my own response. It might be that I just unleash my anger on you in the way, so I'm going to pull back my presence, and I'm going to send my angel along with you. You know, that happens in our life sometimes. Sometimes we don't feel the presence of God because God is pulling back, but just never, just always be reminded that his protection is always there with you, and his presence is always available. You know why God chose the Jews, he tells us in the scriptures? Because of this very thing. He said, I didn't choose you because you were more noble. I didn't choose you because you were more powerful or the greatest nation on earth. I chose you because you were stiff-necked. And I wanted to demonstrate my grace in your life. Hey, guess what? I don't know many people that aren't stiff-necked at times. Do you? I mean, look up and down the aisle. Do you see anybody that look like they has the potential of being stiff-necked, hard-headed, difficult to get along with? That's pretty much the human race, isn't it? Pretty much you and me on a daily basis if we're not walking the Spirit of God. But here's the message I want to give you today. What happens when angels go before you? When God sends his angels, what is the end result? Well, your dream will be realized. You see there in verse 1 of 33, he said, depart and go up from here. You and the people who, you brought out, who I, we brought out of Egypt to the land that I swore you, and I'm going to give it to you. You know what he was saying? I want you to walk by faith. I want you to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you hope for anything in life? Anything in your heart? You go. I just wish God would do that. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about faith is the substance. It's the reality of those things that you hope for. Uh, The evidence of things not seen. So faith is evidence. But I don't have it yet. No, because we walk by faith and not by sight. For by it the the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. How did God frame the world? He spoke it into being. How are you going to frame your world? You're going to speak words of faith. You're going to allow the words of your mouth to be life and not death. You're going to speak and believe that God is true and what God says is true. All I really know to do is get out there on the edge and, and just take God at his word. And God, if it doesn't come, if you don't come through, that's your problem, not mine. My job is just to get out on face edge and wait for God to work. And it says here, the world was framed by the words of God the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of the things that are visible. You see, so God creates out of nothing. You might look at your world and you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to proceed? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to find a relationship that really is meaningful? Speak the word of faith. What else do you have? Speak the word of faith. Let God begin to create for you the world that he wants you to have. You see, God-sized dreams happen when you obey the Lord, first of all. Look what he tells him to do. He says, depart and go up. You see, obedience is important. God wants us to obey. It's, you know, even obedience is better than sacrifice. You say, well, I've sacrificed so much. Well, have you obeyed? Have you done what God has said? My sheep hear my voice, and they do what I say, the Scripture says. Also, build on past victories. He said, I brought you out. Whenever you began to pray your prayer of faith, think about what has God done for me in the past? That's the same God I serve today. Let your faith be built on that. Let your dreams be built on, on the hand of God, on the character of God, on the work of God. And then remember the promise of God. Look what he said, I swore unto you. You know the Bible is just a book filled with promises? God has all kinds of promises. He has them for every situation in life. And when we're fearful, he has a promise. When we're we're lacking courage, he has a a, a promise for us. He is a God of promises. And then realize it's all a gift. He says, I'm going to give it to you. Do you know that nothing we have, ultimately, when it's all said and done, doesn't come from God? The very breath you live, you breathe, the very life that you live, everything that you have, God says, here's a gift. And when we begin to thank God for the gift, you know, we we don't have any promise of tomorrow, do we? We only have the promise of today. Have you rejoiced and thought about that? Have you just looked at people differently and thought, you know what, if this was the last day I ever saw you, I want to make sure I smile in your face. I want to make sure I give you a compliment. I want to make sure I encourage you on the journey of life because life is short and everything is a gift from God. Also, as we begin to think about this idea of a gift, I love this uh, quote from Jensen Franklin. He said, anytime God begins to favor you and bless you, it is to prepare you for a dream. You see, you begin to feel the blessings of God. You say, well, I'd like to feel them a little bit more. I'd like to have a little bit stronger blessings of God. Well, take what you have and build on that. Don't be, uh, uh, you know, unhappy about anything you have, say, God, I want to thank you what I do have. I can look in my closet and see 10 pair of jeans hanging in there, and only eight of them fit me, but I got to be thankful for eight of them, right? Those two that look at me and lie to me every week and tell me I can get into those jeans, no, I I just have to ignore them. In fact, I think I'm going to donate them to somebody because I'm never going to get into them. I just enjoy pizza too much. I've decided that, that pizza is really the best food in the world. T.E. Lawrence wrote these words, those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds, awake to find that all is vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men that they may act on their dreams with open eyes to make it possible. Ask God to give you a vision for your future. Ask God to show you something great that he wants to do. And then take God at his word. Walk in obedience. Be thankful for what God has done. Cling to his promises and realize everything you have is a gift from God. When angels go before you, I want you also to see your enemies will be defeated. Here he says, I'm going to send my angel before you and and they're going to deal with the Canaanites and the Jebusites and all these, the Hivites and all these other tribes. You see, God wants to be the one who takes care of us. He wants to defeat our enemies for us. In Psalm 81, verses 13 and 14, it says this, oh, that my people would listen to me. I listen to a lot of voices during the day, don't you? I listen to a voice on a radio. I listen to a voice of people in in all kinds of different social settings. I, I pick up my phone, I listen to it. I have digital voices I listen to, whether it's a text message or an email. I listen to voices all day long. And here's what God says, oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. And all he says here is, would you just listen? Would you just find a quiet place and let God speak to you? Let God have your attention. You know, in Scripture, you find that angels are busy. We don't typically think a lot about angels and about the role that they have, but if you begin to study angels and their activity in Scripture, I want to give you just a few areas where they're busily working. First of all, it tells us that God dispatches angels. He said, I will send my angel. He tells us that God works. He says, I'm going to drive him out. You see, enemies, have you ever noticed that enemies of your soul and your mind don't leave quietly? You need a bouncer. You need the Holy Spirit to be your spiritual bouncer. Because you've got enemies in there, they—they've persistent sin doesn't go away because you wish it so. Oh, I wish I wouldn't do that anymore. It just stays. Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't go away because you want it to go away. Oh, I just want it to go away so bad. Stays right there with you. Have you ever noticed? Good friend, I'm here just like your your pet dog. I'm going to be wagging my tail, waiting for a little attention. Doesn't happen because you cry it away. You can cry all you want. You see, you need to be delivered from that. You need God to reach down in your soul and deliver deliver you and drive your enemies of your soul out. You see, what happens is you get these neural pathways set up in your life by repeated uh, attention to to a particular area of life. And what happens is we call them habits. We just call them patterns. You see, the Bible calls them spiritual strongholds. And those neural pathways, they, they can actually be altered by the renewing of your mind, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We can actually have a new mind after the mind of Christ. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 18 tells us that we we have the mind of Christ when we're spiritually wired. What we have to do is start thinking differently, thinking the things of God, the thoughts of God, and you can do that just by infusing your life with the Word of God. Do you know that just reading the Word of God can change your whole attitude? Men, if you're married, do you know that it tells you that you are to wash your wife with the Word of God? You know what, how you do that? You just read the Word of God to her. You don't, even, you don't even have to know what it means. That's the good news for guys. Wife says, I don't, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm just supposed to read it. You listen, I read, you get bathed in the Word of God. That's the best news guys ever heard. No accountability, just read, read. Say, I don't know, I'm reading Revelation. We're going through the tribulation of our marriage. I'm going to read chapter 6 through 19 on the tribulation and see if God can show us anything about the beasts that are coming in in our family. Amen. You want to be a little bit more positive? Go to Psalms. Pick the right psalm. Sometimes the psalmist gets mad. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes the psalmist will start out and he'll say, oh God, I just pray my enemies, they'll all have ugly children, I, I pray that... You know, their farms will fail and, and, you know, they go through all this bad stuff they want on their enemies and then God's working in their heart as they're saying these things all of a sudden they go, well, God, I really don't want any of that to happen. I just pray that you'll just take care of me. The Word of God purifies us, washes our soul, it builds faith in us. It must be driven out. God will not allow his domain to be occupied by any other. You can't serve two masters. How'd you like to have two wives? I'm just saying. I can't imagine having two wives. I got a good one, but I can't imagine having two. What if I got one that wasn't as good? What if she just was mean and nasty all the time and, and just heckled me and henpecked me all the time and then I had to work longer hours? I want to be around her. Can you imagine my wife said, well, I'd like to have two husbands. Oh, my She'd never finish picking stuff up. I remember early in our marriage, my my wife said, you know, your mother doesn't work here. I said, well, that's a shame, because she was really helpful. Fixed me a little breakfast, make my bed, give me an allowance, send me out for the day, came home a little sad, she'd comfort me, do my homework for me. It was awesome. Let me tell you, being an only child is not all bad, folks. When you look at angels in the Bible, they reveal God's plan. They direct a course of action. They meet personal needs in your life. Many of God's choices were fed by by ravens. They protect and they deliver, they strengthen, and they bring answers to prayer. We don't know if we encounter angels, the book of Hebrews says. Some encounter angels without even knowing it. But they are there nonetheless because God has this plan of how it's all going to fit together. And sometimes we're blessed by an unseen visitor that we don't even know. I love that scripture that finds its way there in the end of the book of Joshua where Joshua has now taken over the reins from Moses. He has led these people all these years and the people are still struggling with this idea of idolatry. They're still not sure they're going to follow God, serve God, what they're going to do. And Joshua issues this call to action and, and this challenge in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity And in truth, put away the gods your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, when you make that kind of a stand in your house... It's, it's a changing point for the entire emotional, spiritual, mental, intellectual, every dimension of your family changes. You said, we're going to serve God. I don't know what it means. I don't know how to do it all the time. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to serve God, and our household is going to serve God. And we're going to build a happy marriage. We're going to strengthen a happy marriage. I think you've heard me say before, when we first got married, one word we couldn't use was divorce. Divorce. We just can't. We're never going to even bring it up. It's not a possibility. Murder, yes. Divorce, never. Because <laughs> we want to build, strengthen, and, 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 and encourage happy marriages here. We've got a, our second annual couples retreat coming up here in April. And, and men, you should go. Take the initiative. Don't wait for your wife to say, hey, can we go? Be a man and say, we're going. We're going to strengthen our marriage, and we're going, to, we're going to have a great marriage. You say, well, we've got so much water under the bridge. So what? That just means you're that much further upstream, time to enjoy. joy. Amen? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, it says, As if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You know what he's saying to us? I know you don't have great faith. That's okay. You don't need much to see God work. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What is it you need moved in your life? Just ask God to move it. Just exercise that little bit of faith that you have. Ask God to move it. When angels go before you, your future will be secure. Exodus 33 says, go up to that land flowing with milk and honey. What is a land flowing with milk and honey? I've wondered about that my whole life. And then I began to look into Scripture. Listen to what it says in Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean. You know, when you fear God, you feel clean. When you fear others, you feel dirty. When you fear God, you just feel safe and secure and clean. And it says, and the fear of the Lord endures forever. It's enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, they're true and they're righteous. And I believe that's in there because sometimes we wonder about what God is doing or not doing. We wonder about the motives of God. And we say, well, how could God let that happen? You see, it says here in Scripture that the judgments of the Lord are true and they're righteous altogether. You may not understand them now. You may not see them with clarity. You may not know how to even navigate through what is going on in your life. But you can fall back and understand that God is a good God. His, His judgments are righteous and they are true. And God will work all this out for the good. You wait and see. You'll look back one day and say, it was hard, it was difficult, I didn't like it, I didn't understand it, but God, now I I see the value in my life. I see that you were shaping me after the image of Almighty God. I see that you were trying to put in me a a character side of me that I didn't have before, and now I have it, God. And I know you're not done with me, God. There's so much more that you have for all of us that he has to work in us and build into us. But then he says, and they are more to be desired. Than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And then it says it's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. You know what I think? I think when he said a land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be a land where the word of God is going to flow freely. You 're not going to be in the wilderness and you're not going to be in egypt you're going to be able to enjoy the word of God. a land flowing with milk and honey is a land where the word of God flows like honey and it's sweet like honey. You understand the character and the nature of God, and you know what that land flowing with milk and honey can be this land for you today it's a good land in Joel chapter two and ver, or Joel chapter three verse eighteen it says it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine. Can you imagine that scene? I mean, we read about manna and quail falling and now bottles of wine. Seems like it could be dangerous, doesn't it? And the hills shall flow with milk. See what he's talking about here is abundance. Abundance. He says, I'm going to bring you new wine, but I'm going to bring you uh, hills that are going to flow with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters and a fountain shall come forth uh, of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. I want to just, I want to open up the hills to you and I want the milk and the honey to flow to you. I want to bless you is what God is saying, but you've kept me from blessing you. You haven't obeyed me. You haven't walked in my way. You haven't read my word. You haven't lived out your life for me. All I really want is my children to love me and to serve me and to follow after me. Isn't that what every parent wants? You just want children that respect you and love you. You know they're going to be different, but there's something about raising up children that walk in their integrity that blesses any father or any mother. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. Listen to what it says in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Ask the Lord, Ask the Lord and for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds and he will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. Have you asked God lately? God, would you just open up the heavens and bring down the rain of your blessing? Will you bring the latter rain? Will you bring renewal and revival? Will you stir my heart afresh? Will you come in and powerfully in my, in my heart, Holy Spirit? Will you bless me? Proverbs 16 and verse 15 says... In the light of the king's face is life. How'd you like to just be able to look into the face of Jesus? You know what you'd see? Life. You'd see life. And his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. God says, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to bring you life, and I'm going to bring you abundance, and I'm going to bring you all these good things. Here's some life applications I want to give you. Here's the first one. Keep this in mind. It's not what you've lost It's what you have left that matters. People worry so much about what they lost. I lost everything. Great, now you can start over with all kinds of good stuff you like. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. Was it really that important to you? Didn't God say, I I can take care of every need you have? Doesn't he supply uh, everything that the birds of the air need and and everything of the fowls of the the air uh, desire? Doesn't he take care and and clothe all the fields with the glory as of Solomon? Ask, you see. What you've lost is what you have left. What do you got left? Have you done an inventory lately? I was at, uh, I love going to Starbucks and uh, getting some coffee, and I love just interacting with different people. And I've had this encounter with three or four different people, and I went up, and there was one there that was pretty happy, and, and and I thought, well, this is an encouraging, smiling face. I said, how are you doing today? Not so good. Well, you look happy. Yeah, I put on a good smile. I said, you do have a good smile. And the smile seemed to get a little bit better. I said, now, why is this not such a good day? Well, I had to get here at 4 o'clock this morning. I said, I understand now. I don't know if I'd be smiling either. I said, but you you have a job. Yeah, that's right. Look pretty healthy, right? Yeah, healthy. Do you have friends? I have friends. And I went through this whole list, and, and, and every one of them seems to respond exactly the same way when I go through that list. And they say, you know, I guess it's not a bad day after all. I guess it is a pretty good day. What do you got left? Take an inventory. You got friends? You got health? You know, you got a little bit of activity? You got a sense of humor? What do you got? You got hair on your head? I mean, think about it. There's something you got going for you, amen? Secondly, it's time to collide with your destiny. What has God got for you? Sometimes we we find ourselves, we're trying to figure out what God wants for us, and we're like parallel tracks, and we're, we're always moving like this. Maybe it's time for those two things to come together and say, God, I just want to meet up and understand what you're doing in my life. And this last one is my favorite. Hell can't stop what heaven has planned. Hell can't stop what heaven has planned. I love General Patton of World War II. He used to say, when you're going through hell, keep going. Just trust God. If God has got something for you, God is going to make a way. You may say, well, I don't know if God's... No, God, if God's got a plan, His plans come through. We just have to walk in faithfulness and see what God is up to. What is God up to in your life? I do know this. The one plan that God has for every one of us is, number one, that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we come to a place of eternal salvation where we really believe Jesus died was buried, rose from the dead, and came to give me life and take away all my sins. And if you haven't experienced that gift of eternal life yet, I just want to encourage you right now, where you stand or where you sit, whether you're watching here, you're watching in Abu Dhabi, you're watching in Big Wear or anywhere else around the world, I want to just ask you to do this. Would you just stop and pray and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And by faith, I believe your word is true. I receive you as my Savior. I take you as my Lord. And teach me and help me to walk in faithfulness. See, the promise is that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No doubt about it. God will save if we call. Trust God. Let God work in your life. And the next thing is, if you know Him, then walk in faithfulness. Just... Take Him for all that He offers you in His Word. Let His Word just bathe you continually with truth and allow His Spirit to come and just invoke His presence. Presence of God, just surround me now. Presence of God, fill this place. Just presence of God, overwhelm me. Overwhelm me. Spirit of God, fill me. Spirit of God, lead me. Spirit of God, drive me to truth. Let Let Your Word be the meditation of my heart. May my lips speak your name. Just bathe yourself in God himself. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? Father, as we pray and as we think about what happens when angels go before us, we think about our future being secure, God, and and what that means, that we don't have to to be fearful. We think about the enemies we have that need to be driven out of our life. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's worry. Maybe it's discouragement and depression. Whatever it is, God, would you drive the enemies out of our life and, God, allow us to just realize the dream that you have for each one of us, God, the good things that you have for us, Father, that we might really grow to love you more and more and we might walk in faithfulness, Father, appreciating every day that we have, knowing that everything we have is a gift from God himself. May you have the glory today, God, and may you have the praise in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together.